Christ. We'll take more of your phone calls. No, we won't. Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Almost horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well-endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Greetings, listeners of the ass. It is I, the ghost of Maya Angelou, speaking to you from the great beyond and welcoming you to this very spooky Halloween edition of the ass. Now I hereby turn you over to a man whose butthole is wider than the mastodon, pinker than a glass of French rosé, and more terrifying than the ferocious fangs of a woolly werewolf. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Adam Sank. And there's supposed to be applause there. Yes, we're getting off on a great note. Welcome to The Ask, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Adam Sank. This is The Ask. We are live today on an extremely rainy Sunday, October 29th. My co-host today is the beautiful, the talented, the slutty, real tour to the stars, Scott Hernandez, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Scott. Well, hello. See, Scott gets the applause automatically. (laughs) I get no applause. Also in the studio today is uh, Katie, our fabulous producer, back from her two-week hiatus. JB is here. Um, we have incredible, beautiful, masculine guests coming in at the bottom of the hour. Uh, pro wrestler Anthony Bowens and fitness trainer Michael Pavano. One is bi, the other is gay. They are absolutely gorgeous. They will be joining us in studio to talk about love and coming out in the world of sports. Um, Scott, are you not able to hear the show through your headphones? No, I got it. I figured it out. Okay. All is well. <laughs> um, and the other thing we're going to be talking about today is Kathy Griffin because she lost her fucking mind. And made a 17-minute-long uh, videotape, which was basically the audio and video equivalent of burning the world down. Um, we're going to be playing clips from the tape, and we're going to be taking your phone calls. Guys, I really want to hear from you on this. I know there are differences of opinion. Uh, 844-TALK-DNR is how you can phone in live to tell us your thoughts about Kathy. Are you uh, pro Kathy's tape? Are you anti Kathy's tape? Do you think it was a good idea? Uh, will it help her? Will it hurt her? Um and lots of other things on today's ass. Don't forget to tweet about us using hashtag ass and like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. But first, we got to get right to Kathy. And, um, you know, Scott, for the first few minutes of the show, I just kind of want to set the stage before either of us gives our opinions because there's a lot to take in here. And if you're just hearing about this story for the first time, as some people are, I want people to sort of get what's going on. So it all started, as you'll recall, several months ago when Kathy Griffin held up uh, a fake Donald Trump head that was severed and bleeding um, in a photography shoot, and there was enormous uh, criticism and blowback of her, and um, she was dropped by CNN from their New Year's show. Anderson Cooper disavowed her and said he thought it was a terrible thing. Pretty much everyone was against it. Um, I, at the time, was on this show fighting with ADD Jeff and several other people about what had happened because, I, look, I wasn't mad because she held up a bloody Trump head, but I felt like it hurt uh, the side of those of us who are really trying to make a, a a moral and ethical and legal argument for the removal of Donald Trump as president um, to resort to violent and bloody imagery. That's really not what our side is about. Um, I understand she has freedom of speech, but, you know, there are consequences to freedom of speech. So she, she there are a lot of consequences from that. Um, 
as I mentioned, she was dropped from the CNN New Year special. Well, just the other day, Andy Cohen was uh, stopped by a TMZ um, cameraman who asked him about the fact that he would be replacing Kathy Griffin for the New Year's special. And he said, how do you f- feel about Kathy Griffin, essentially? And here's what Andy Cohen had to say. Who? Kathy Griffin. I don't know her. The, the ex-host. Oh, okay. With Anderson. Okay. What do you mean? Like, she used to host it with Anderson, now it's going to be you. You're kind of replacing her, right? Oh, okay. Because CNN gave her the axe. How come this is news to you? I don't know. So you haven't talked to Kathy Griffin about it at all? No. No? This is a bizarre interview, man. Is it? Well, you don't know who Kathy Griffin is? I'm trying to remember. The, the red-haired one who held the Trump head, who used to host... You're a replacement, Andy. Anderson and I have been on tour for two and a half years together. For the New Year's thing, though? We're a duo. For the New Year's thing, though? So, Scott, you and I talked about that a little bit last night, and we both agreed that uh, Andy was kind of douchey. Yep. In this clip. Absolutely. He definitely was. I mean, he clearly knows who Kathy is. Um, And to go on for so long with the joke... Um, it was just, I, I felt it was a lot. Right. I think it was a nod to the whole Mariah Carey, Jennifer Lopez thing where Mariah says, I don't know her, but you're right. It went on too long and it was, um, if I were him, let's just say this. If I were Andy Cohen, I would have said, I love Kathy and I wish her well, but now it's my turn to, to co-host with Anderson. It could have been handled so gracefully. So, okay. That was kind of cunty of him. Um, and then at the same time, I guess, or shortly after that, Kathy gets a call on her uh, voicemail from Harvey Levin, the owner and founder and the guy who runs TMZ, basically saying, hey, Kathy, if you have a moment, please give me a call. I'd like to talk to you. Presumably, you know, he was trying to get a quote from her on how she felt about this. In response to both those two things, to, to Andy making the video and Harvey leaving the voicemail, Kathy posted this 17-minute video on YouTube and Twitter in which she ripped them and many other people apart and the first thing she did was she played harvey levin's voicemail in which he revealed his phone number to her thus giving his phone number out to the whole world i'm not going to play that part because i don't really want to get sued by harvey levin and tmz but um here's kathy explaining why she gave out the phone number take a listen so that's his number and i don't have a minute to call him maybe you do the reason i did that is that during the entire like trump scandal I was doxxed so much that um, people obviously got my phone number and my address and uh, the Trumpers came after me. And I just want you guys to know, Harvey Levin, Harvey Levin, a blogger, is very much in bed with everybody from Hollywood to Donald Trump. So um, during my uh, two month investigation, phone numbers got out of uh, my mom and my mom got death threats at her retirement village and my sister, while she was dying of cancer, got death threats at her apartment. So that's why I'm putting that out there. Okay. Later in the video, she starts to rip apart Andy Cohen. She claims that he treated her horribly when she um, had the, the D-list show and he was the executive at Bravo, um, as well as when she had her talk show for two years on Bravo. And then she dropped the most explosive of her allegations where she talked about the two times that she appeared on Andy Cohen's talk show, Watch What Happens Live. Here's what Kathy said about that. Both times I did the show, right before we went live, Andy Cohen privately asked me in an office in Embassy Row, which is the production company that does that shit show, if I wanted to do blow. All right, I've never had a drink in my life. You guys know I'm no prude, but I'm like kind of a straight edge. I thought he was kidding the first time. Um, just so you know, uh, Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyers has never asked me to do blow before going on the show. <laughs> no one from The View has ever asked me to do blow before a show. So I was hoping he was kidding. So the second time I do the show, same thing. So once again, we're alone in an office in Embassy Row, and he's like, you want to do some coke? And I'm thinking, he's serious. Like, so I know he, trust me, he's going to say he was kidding and everything. No, he was asking me to do cocaine with him. That made me very uncomfortable. And just for the record, nobody in the Derek and Romaine studio has ever offered me cocaine. 
<laughs> and I'm a little mad about that because I would have taken it. Um, and the last thing I'm going to play before we get into our convo, and I know there's already callers uh, waiting to, to weigh in, is um, um, among many other things, among many other people, Kathy trashed a variety of women with whom she worked at Bravo and elsewhere. Um, she's basically saying that women were complicit in the way that she was treated by all these men, um, Harvey Levin, Andy Cohen, other male executives, uh, Michael Zucker at NBC. She basically, you know, everyone's against her. Everyone's out to get her. And here's what she said about some of the women that she's worked with over the years. So I'm sorry, I got to get into the women who are complicit. So during my years at Bravo, um, all these women went along with all of it. Uh, Lawrence Lasnik was a big executive there, didn't protect me. Uh, now she, uh, I, I think she was fired and the woman who has her job is named Bonnie Hammer. So uh, I, I don't think I could pick Bonnie Hammer out of a lineup. So obviously she wasn't very invested in my work there. And then later on when I went on to do Fashion Police, it was the same freaking group of people. Andy Cohen, Bonnie Hammer, Francis Barrick, and you guys know how that ended. A wall of shit fell on me after that experience too because I left that show because I didn't feel like they were doing Joan Rivers' legacy right. And I didn't feel like I could do a good job there. So that of course blew up in my face because it was a coordinated attack. And I'm sorry, I have to call up these women like Fran Barrick, who was supposedly my executive. And after the D-list, I did a talk show for two seasons called Kathy. And I had a blast doing it with no support. So Michael Davies was the producer and he said, the only way this show will get picked up is if I produce it because they can't stand you and they like me. And I had a meeting with Frances Barrick in her office and my then publicist, Whitney Tancred, who was a friend and she turned on me too. And that one just hurts on a personal level. And I said, well, Fran, you know, if we do a talk show, you're sure that Andy's not gonna try to squash it. And she said, no, no, I mean, of course not. It'd be different like Chelsea. I mean, I wish we had Chelsea. And I said, well, I did get you guys two Emmys. And she said, well, we got you two Emmys. Okay, there's a lot to digest here. And we only have an hour long show and we have guests coming in in about 15 minutes. So I'm going to give my take very quickly. I love Kathy Griffin. I always have. I've always defended her. Um, I, I love her style of comedy. I like trashing celebrities. I like speaking truth to power. All of it. I think she's lost her mind. I think that this video helps no one and hurts her tremendously. I think if everyone in your life is against you and has turned on you and betrayed you, then the problem is you. And Derek Hartley basically made the same point in the, in the chat, in the Facebook room, uh, Facebook page yesterday. Um, you know, it, you, you can't just be a perennial victim. You have a part in what happens to you and giving away someone's phone number on the air, a public person, um, you know, revealing that someone else does cocaine and also naming all these women who are private people. These women are not in show business in the sense that they're personalities. They're behind the scenes. They don't have a platform like Kathy Griffin does to respond to all these charges. And we don't know what they did or didn't do to Kathy. Show business is a tough business. I've been fucked over in a million ways and I'm an F-list celebrity. So I can only imagine the higher you get up the chain, the more fucked, up, fucked over you get. Shit happens. It's not personal. It's not show friends. It's show business. And I just think, and, and let's, aside from the fact that she looked absolutely insane in this video, she's made up like in kabuki makeup, like some crazy demented clown. And I, I'm not being lookist. I think Kathy's a beautiful woman, particularly for someone who's 60 years old. And I get that she cut her, she shaved her head in sympathy for her sister. I think that's beautiful. But like, don't make yourself look like a crazy person if you're trying to, you know, wage war on everybody. Scott, your thoughts. I completely agree with you. I think the releasing of the phone number was completely spiteful. It's not that it's not like Harvey released her number and uh, her family's phone numbers. He can't be directly responsible for that. Um, that was just insane. And she doesn't even know why he called her. He left her a, a one minute message with his phone number saying, call me back. It could have been coming from a really good place. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. But she never called to find out. Um, so releasing his phone number was just completely spiteful. And that that's uh, she, she, in a way she's playing a victim 
right? That's that's what a victim would do, right? Someone who's who's feels victimized and and doesn't want to hear about you know anything else. I've been victimized. People are punishing me. This is what well, this was. This is what is happening. Right. There's a persecution complex. I feel like. Yeah. And and the same thing with the the discussion of the blow. That's insane. I can't. I cannot even believe she went there. Um, it's just like she's digging up dirt. Um, when she, I mean, she said it herself, right? In, when she was speaking, she said that she wouldn't have had the talk show if it wasn't for her producer because they can't stand you. She was told they can't stand you. So if the problem is, you know, if everyone's saying that you're the problem, you're, you're probably the problem. Right. Let's take some calls. Caller, uh, who are you and where are you from? Hey, it's Charles from Cornville, Arizona. Hey, Charles. Of course you're the first caller. Tell us what you think about the whole Kathy Griffin uh, well, debacle. Well, I, I tell you, I do not know Andy Cohen. I've never interacted with him, but I have interacted with Harvey Levin. And Kathy is sounding really quite paranoid. Um, you know, the fact that she went so public with so many different issues uh, was completely unnecessary, and she obviously has her axes to grind. Yes. But but my interactions with Harvey Levin have... I've, I've, I've actually never really heard anything bad about him at all. Well, now... I don't think Harvey Levin is a saint, and I, I, I think, uh, listen, Harvey Levin and Andy Cohen may be douchebags, and they may have done some really, you know, shitty stuff. I know that Levin is a Trump supporter, among other things, and Kathy talked about that. Uh, as a gay man, to support Donald Trump is very problematic for me. But even if they are, even if everything they did, everything she says they did to her was true, and she's not real specific in her allegations anyway, um, you still take the high road. You still come across like the bigger person, like the classier person. Instead, she took the lowest road possible. Yeah. Uh, what does Scott know about Steve's interactions with Andy Cohen? What's Steve's impression? Uh, yeah, I have no knowledge of, of that. I don't okay, I don't mean to drag you in inappropriately. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to take a <laughs> U-turn like that. No, not but, at all. I don't, yeah, Steve never uh, mentioned his interactions with Andy. Okay. Charles, we're going so like to keep talking about this and take some other calls. Thanks for calling in, though, honey. Bye, Charles. Good talking to you. So, yeah, I just think it's a mess, and I think that she just keeps digging a bigger and bigger hole for herself. I feel like um, Kathy Griffin had a really great career going for a long time, and some careers fade out, but I think she could have kept going. She could have been like Joan Rivers and kept, you know, making people laugh until the day she died. But if I'm a producer in Hollywood and there's an opportunity to work with Kathy Griffin after I see this, why would I ever work with her in any business? Forget show business. Like if you, Scott, you work in a real estate office. If there was someone who was constantly having interpersonal battles with everyone in your company, do you want to work with that person again? No, of course not. It's the, they're the problem. They end up being the problem, and that's in and in the corporate world. That's how it goes. Uh, we're going to keep taking your calls on this eight four four talk DNR. Please call in if you have thoughts about Kathy Griffin, or if you want to tell us what you're going out as for Halloween. Uh, as I mentioned on the uh, Facebook Live prior to the show starting, Scott and I were, went in a very cute couple's costume last night, even though we are not a couple. <laughs> uh, I was a shamrock green crayon. Scott was... I call it blue. It was... Because Scott's colorblind, <laughs> but it was cerulean blue. And they were very form-fitting from the waist down. They were basically tights made for women. Yes. Yes. So Scott and I went um, commando, and uh, neither of us are showers, <laughs> particularly not me. So um, we both took a little uh, penis helper, a little Viagra. <laughs> And I unfortunately mixed my Viagra with Dayquil and Zyrtec because I've had a cold all week, which is why I sound like B. Arthur. And um, so I couldn't breathe through my nose for the whole party, and my dick was uh, pulsing. <laughs> and it caused a lot of commotion at this party we were at together. It did. You thought our costumes were not going to be sexy when I sent you the picture originally. <laughs> You're like, they're not going to be sexy. I, like, I said, we'll make them sexy, and we did. <laughs> we sexed them up, um, <laughs> but neither of us uh, hooked up at the party. What happened after the party remains... Uh, I did. Oh, you did hook up the party? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Scott Scott never leaves a party unsatisfied. Let's put it that way. Um, all right. And speaking of Halloween, we need to... Uh, because it is Halloween weekend, and uh, there's all kinds of spooky things going on. Cue the spooky Halloween sounds. 
Um, I came across a list, not that one. We came across a list on Complex.com of the 10, actually it was the 100 scariest movies of all time. And I thought people might be interested in this. And I'm not going to read all 100 because we don't have enough time, but I wanted to go through the top 10, some of which I've seen before, some of which are so old that I would never see them. I'm not going to watch a movie from 1922. I don't care how good it is. Um, but I'm wondering, Scott, first of all, do you like scary movies? I don't know this about you. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a mixed bag. I like them. I love hate them. Um, I will go and see them, but I'm, I get terrified. And the person, I feel bad for the person sitting next to me because I will be grabbing them. Or You're a big reactor in general. I am. When something's funny, when something's scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When it's comedy, too. Don't sit next to me in a comedy. I he's loud. You. I will punch the crap out of you if you're sitting next to me because he's laughing so much he's laughing so hard so i don't like i can't deal with um gory movies slash slasher films blood guts torture i can't none of it i can't watch people being tortured so saw human centipede all that shit i would never go see but i do like a really suspenseful movie where there where you are scared because you don't know what's coming next and things jump out at you and things like that so some of these movies fall under that um Number 10 on the list is Halloween. Halloween was legendary. This is 1978, the original. That movie was shot for just $325,000, and it earned close to $50 million. It was shot in 20 days. This is the one starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Pleasance, and it really set the standard for all future slasher movies. But the thing about the movie that amazes me the most is that the theme song which we heard a little of just now earlier, is so iconic. It was written and performed by John Carpenter, the director. Let's, let's hear some of that, JB. He was not a musician. He was not a composer. He just sat down with a piano and came up with this theme song on his own and played these same notes over and over again for the entire movie. That's the director on a piano. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, right? It's the thing that makes the movie scary. Yep. It's terrifying. They didn't have the budget for an orchestrator or, or someone to write a score. Now, obviously, someone added that background noise. It's, I remember seeing but this that's movie all him. over and over and over again. It was. It's one of my favorite scary movies. Um, and I think why it's so scary, for me at least, is that it's possible. Right, it's not a Freddy Krueger where that's you know kind of fantasy based. You know, this it's possible that there's a madman on the loose with a mask that can get into your house and kill you. Right. And by the way, that mask I was just reading was a um, it was a William Shatner mask. You know, William Shatner from Star Trek that they just kind of ripped apart and and made look a little different. But that was the base of it. Everything was so cheap. So that's number ten. Number nine is a 1963 movie called The Haunting with Julie Harris. Um, don't know anything about that. They remade that one. Yes, most yeah. of these have been remade. Mm -hmm. Number eight is Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, 1986. You ever hear of that, no, Scott? No, I haven't. Uh, loosely based on the life of Henry Lee Lucas. It follows the exploits of a crazed killer played by Michael Rooker. Um, during the movie, Henry befriends a fellow prisoner named Otis, and the two go about on a savage rampage of random killings, neither expressing even the slightest bit of remorse. Uh, supposedly, this is scary because you're inside Henry's head the entire movie. Number seven on the list is from 1922. As I said, I will never watch this, but it's called uh, Nosferatu, and it stars Max Schreck. And according to Complex.com, what makes this so terrifying is that Max Schreck really turns himself into a monster. His facial expressions and the way he contorts his face and his body without much makeup, um, he really uh, looks like a monster. Number six is Frankenstein, the 1931 version starring Boris Karloff. Uh, again, very old, but considered a classic and still scary after all these years. Number five is a movie that not only terrified me, but I just think is one of the greatest movies, period, and it's Rosemary's Baby, directed by Roman Polanski. Now, of course, this is based on the book by Ira Levin, not to be confused with Harvey Levin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give out Ira Levin's phone number. <laughs> Rosemary's Baby follows the story of a, uh, a young woman and her husband in New York City. She becomes pregnant with what she thinks is her husband's baby, and it turns out that the father is really Satan. 
and that there's this satanic cult living nearby, uh, living in the same apartment building. And it's, it's just so, it's filled with dread and awfulness, and Mia Farrow is unbelievable in it. You should definitely watch Rosemary's Baby if you haven't. Number four is a 1974 movie called Black Christmas. Don't know anything about that, but it takes place on Christmas. There was an, a later movie, a, a horror movie that took place on Christmas where Santa was the killer, but that's not this one. This is called Black Christmas. Uh, number three is the zombie classic Night of the Living Dead, directed by George Romero, 1968. Terrified me. Number two is a movie that I watched when it came out in 1980 when I was nine years old. I should never have been allowed to watch it. It is proof that my parents were unfit to allow their child to watch this on HBO. It's The Shining. Shining. I thought that was going to be number one. Oh, yes. Now I'm curious what number one Stanley is Kubrick's be. masterpiece starring Jack Nicholson. Did, when did you first watch that? Oh, it was later. It wasn't when I was young. It was like probably after 18. So scary. Yeah. Because Jack Nicholson <laughs> starts out totally normal and then just gets like slowly crazier and crazier until he just is completely unhinged. Which is also so very possible. Yeah. It's scary. And also everything about the way the movie is shot. It's just unsettling. Um and then we just heard a chainsaw noise, and that's perfect because is number one Texas? is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974. I wrote that down. Yeah. No, I never terrifying. watched it all the way through. Did you watch it? Yes. It's terrifying because it's true. Well, based on a true story. Come on. I, I have to say, I, I've never seen it, but I was watching a lot of YouTube clips getting ready for the show. It seems ridiculous to me. It seems just very absurd and unrealistic and, and like a, almost like a, a parody of a horror movie. You should watch it. All right. So if anyone's wondering, um, two movies that I thought were terrifying personally almost made the top 10. The Strangers was number 11. That's the one with the people standing outside with the masks on their heads the whole movie. Terrified me. And number 12, The Exorcist, which many consider to be the scariest movie ever. Uh, The Blair Witch Project made number 50 on the list and not on the list at all. To my horror (laughs) are the two movies that scared me the most. Seven and Zodiac, both directed by David Fincher. These are not horror movies per se, but they are fucking terrifying, and both movies filled me with like so much dread and angst that I had nightmares for days about both of them, and I will not watch them. Like If, the, if Zodiac is on cable, it's a great movie, but I will not watch it again because I just know that it's going to be upsetting to me. So those are your top 10 horror movies, and uh, top 10 scariest horror movies of all time, according to Complex.com. And now we're going to go from the horrible to the beautiful. <laughs> because our two guests today are a couple whom I've been obsessed with for some time now. Um, because they are ridiculously hot. And because they're creating really positive LGBT visibility in the world of sports and beyond. Anthony Bowens is a professional wrestler who made headlines earlier this year when he came out as bisexual. His boyfriend, Michael Pavano, is a professional fitness trainer and an up-and-coming actor and model. I am thrilled to welcome to the ass, live in studio, Anthony Bowens and Michael Pavano. Come on. What's up, Hello. guys? Hello. All right. You made it through the rain today. Oh, I'm soaked right now. It's bad, <laughs> right? It was awful. Yeah, so we bad. only had one umbrella, so it was kind of... <laughs> of course you did. And it was very <laughs> How <small>. romantic. <laughs> yes. And you had to come in from Jersey, right? You guys are Jersey boys? Correct. Mm-hmm. As, I, as am I, originally. I'm from Summit. Born and raised. I was. I literally. I was just there yesterday. I have a lot of clients there. Yes. I work in New Providence. Yeah, my sister used to work out at your club until she was thrown out for her having unruly children. Wow, <laughs> is that true? Absolutely true. That's crazy. Who oh ever saw a, a middle-aged woman with two juvenile delinquents <laughs> biting other children and so forth? That that's that was my sister. How long ago was this? Oh, like ten years ago, I think. Okay, I don't. But think I've worked there. out at that gym. I can see that wow. happening there. So you you got you live in New Jersey now, both of you. Mm-hmm. You live together. No we one. don't live together. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, That's the goal. I don't want to rush you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start, Anthony, with you because pro wrestling is something that's always been something of a mystery to me. I was aware of it my whole life, and I knew the names of like the really big pro wrestlers like Hulk Hogan and so forth. Of course. But it's never been clear to me whether it's, is it a sport? Is it theatrics? Is it entertainment? And I read an interview with you where you said you, you don't like the word fake, the word that you use is scripted. Correct. So explain that to us. Um, well, professional wrestling is called sports entertainment. Entertainment in the sense of, yes, it's scripted entertainment. And sports because of the athleticism that's involved. I don't like the word fake because fake means nothing happening is real. Like 
I wouldn't call Game of Thrones fake. Right. You know what I mean? It's a, they're actors. They're on a set. Yeah, they may not be hitting each other during the fight scenes, but you're suspending your belief to really get into the show because that's what you like. Uh, it's the same thing with professional wrestling. The only difference is we do our own stunts in front of a live audience, and everything generally hurts. It's very it has painful. To. <laughs> He's been uh, the victim of me waking up in the morning and just not being able to move sometimes because I'm feel like i got hit by a truck yeah so i get kind of in offended when i say it's fake or when people say it's fake so i like i just prefer the term scripted but when you have a match you and your opponent are aware of who's going to win correct okay so that's i think where people get thrown because they're like oh it's competition but we already have a winner and a loser well that's why i always like to make the comparison with television shows you can't watch it like you're watching ufc where there's two guys trying to rip each other's arm off what we do is we tell a story through our characters through our body language through the moves we do and we take you through an emotional ride throughout the entire match just like away an episode of what whatever your favorite tv show does well it's kind of like live reality television correct a, a live, live version theater. of reality yeah. t- because reality tv are real people but they're put in situations that are manipulated and you know yes we know who the hero is and who the villain is and and sort you of you just have to change the way you view it if you're going to look at it as if, again, like if you're watching UFC, you're not going to enjoy it. But if you're going to watch it and try and get into the story that we try and put forth, I think you can, you know, it will change your view on it. Now, you decided to come out as bi earlier this year. What led you to that decision? It was time. I had been ducking and diving conversations and going through very stressful, anxiety-filled moments for way too long. And I just... It was a combination of things, really. One, again, I felt there was time. Two, I have a unique platform now with wrestling where I can kind of cur- or hopefully create change within the community and people's perceptions of what it means to be gay or bi or LGBTQ. And uh, also, I was in a relationship with Michael, and uh, when we first entered the relationship, which is completely unfair and nobody should ever do, um, I asked to keep it a little bit on the down low because I had no idea how it would affect my career wrestling-wise. I promised them it wouldn't be forever. I would just have to find the right time, uh, which I appreciate, and so thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, it, it was just time. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell him. Um, I just made a conscious decision that when I felt the moment would be right, I would put it out there, which I did. We were at a game night at our friend's house, and um, I was like, I think it's time. I picked up my phone. <laughs> I typed out a nice little message on Facebook. I hit send, turned off my phone for like 45 minutes because I was frightened of what the response would be. And uh, about 45 minutes later, I turned it on. It was just ridiculous. Come Michael, on. when did you find out? Find out? That he had done this, that he'd come oh, out. Oh, he, um, he, we were just sitting playing the games, and we were winning, of course. <laughs> we're super competitive. <laughs> so we were on top of the game. And uh, You guys are like Will and Grace when they play games with their friends. They're always, you know, they always have to win. I've never watched that show. Oh, what? <laughs> Get out of here. Out of the studio immediately. I know. I've, I've been hated on for it. But uh, I, he just, all of a sudden, he was like, Check your phone. Check Facebook. And I was like, I kind of knew automatically. And I, was, I just had a big smile. I sent on my the face. relationship request. So yeah. I didn't be surprised. That's, That's so sweet. Oh my God. Now, Michael, had you been a wrestling fan prior to meeting Anthony? Well, I have two older brothers. So growing up, they would always, you know, use me and wrestle me and throw me around. And I got broken <laughs> noses. And <laughs> you were the punching bag. Yeah, pretty much. So, but um, I had a time where I was just like, no, I'm not into this. But then as soon as I met him again, I was like, oh, I didn't know it was still kind of popular. And then I got into it and I go to his matches and I'm just like, oh, my God, like it really is so entertaining. And I'm like, they're screaming with all the other fans. And it's really cool to watch now. I bet. I mean, I bet it's fun to see him, you know, wearing his little shorty shorts, throwing other <laughs> men all over the ring. I- yeah, there are times though where I'm like, he, he's actually hurt right now. Like somebody go help him. And then I'm just like, wait, he's, he's all right. <laughs> he's going to be okay. You guys actually made a uh, YouTube video, one of uh, several videos that you've made together where you sort of revealed how you met. And it is, uh, for me, it's a, a quintessential millennial tale because it's, mm-hmm. it heavily involves social media <laughs> oh God, yeah. and people friending and unfriending other people. We have a little bit of that, I believe. Let's listen to that. In a very toxic relationship with this guy, and it was nearing the, it was actually the last break that we took before we made it official that it was over. And I, that's when I met him and I instantly was attracted to him and I was just like, wow. I even told my ex at the time that I was so attracted to him as soon as um, we got back together after that break. 
I was sitting at work and I got a message from this random dude that said, yo, very vague. <laughs> so I messaged him back and he's like, hey, I think you know my boyfriend, Michael. I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about, which I didn't. And he goes, Michael Pavon. I'm like, oh yeah, I had like two conversations with him. He goes, oh, well, that's my boyfriend and I would really, um, like, I would like you not to message him anymore. So I was like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know that they were on a break. I didn't know we were together or anything. So, okay, do you want me to delete him? I'll delete you too. I don't give a shit. I don't know the both of you. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. Yeah. So, but ultimately, you won his heart and he left that other guy in the dust. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that guy's not bitter at all about this. Oh, he's probably super bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, it's a good lesson for all of us that if you really want someone, you should reach out to them on social media, regardless exactly. of whether you're Never in a relationship. When you're on a break with someone else. Exactly. <laughs> you guys also made this adorable video that I talked about on the air uh, about a month ago, and we couldn't play any of it because it's really visual, but it's just you two with... <laughs> With water in your mouth, trying not to laugh as oh, you're watching. Yeah, the funny. laughing. The laughing. That was actually challenge. the video that kind of I, I forgot to say that helped uh, lead me to that decision of it was time because honestly, if it wasn't for wrestling, I probably would have came out a long time ago. Yeah. But um, I was concerned again, I'm concerned with the fans or what the other wrestlers would think because you don't know how they're going to react when you're in the ring with them. You have to trust your body, and they trust you with their body. So if people don't like you, there's times where they can try and take liberties and you have to defend yourself. It gets very complicated. Yeah. So um, we put out, or he wanted to do a YouTube video because he wanted to start a channel. And at the time I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. But I saw kind of upset. I was like, screw it. We'll do it. And Michael um, seems more into social media than you are in general. Oh, yeah. I had a lot more followers than him in the beginning. Yes. <laughs> I was like, you need to promote yourself. You want to be a wrestler? I was like, you need to get out there and start marketing yourself. You're like He's the right. publicist of, for the couple, yeah. I feel like. I'll take some credit for it. <laughs> but um, we did the video and um, I honestly didn't think anybody would watch it. And then one of my best friends in the wrestling industry texted me out of the blue, I think a couple weeks before I came out. And he was like, dude, why didn't you tell me? And my stomach dropped. I was like, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, I, I just saw the video. Why didn't you tell me before? And then once he said, like, you know, nobody cares. Like, I wish you would have told me a long time ago and we could have talked about it, and et cetera. I was like, oh, I guess really people don't, you know, everybody generally likes me. <laughs> they, As well they should. So I, I, all those uh, fears and anxiety that I had over the years kind of just went down the drain after that. And I figured it was time. That's great. So that video helped out big time. We have, in the last few months, we've seen so many male celebrities in the world of sports and entertainment come out specifically as bi. And I feel like it's kind of a new phenomenon. I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, Elton John came out as bi, and we were like, mm, you're just gay. And eventually <laughs> he was, right? But I feel like nowadays, and there is way more widespread acceptance of being gay, being lesbian, being trans, whatever, but there's a lot of men like yourself who for whom it's important that people understand that you are not gay, you're bisexual. Right. Why is that distinction important to you, particularly as, as you're in a serious relationship with a man? It depends, because people... I hate when people try and use a label and tell you what you are. Right. I, you can only... You yourself can define you and what you are, obviously. Nobody else can tell you that. And... Um, I mean, there's a reason why they call it LGBTQ. We're all under the same mm -hmm. umbrella. We're all fighting for the same exact thing. So I think um, it's a little bit ridiculous for us to start creating drama within the community with each other. Because actually, that was the one negative thing I saw once I actually came out in the in the Huff Post article. Was I thought it was just going to be like general like homophobia? No, it was people within the community arguing with each other right. about if one person's gay, if one person's bi, like, it, it blew my mind. I had no idea that was a thing. Right. And if, and if look, you've already let the world know that you're in a relationship with a man. So clearly, you're not internally homophobic, right? <laughs> I mean, if you were gay, I believe you would say you were gay. Correct. That's not how you identify. Uh, Michael, for you, is there anything different? I don't know if you've had... Um, yes, you have had other relationships because you were with that douchebag. So <laughs> is it any different dating a guy who's bi than dating a gay guy. Fun fact, uh, my ex was bi too. Interesting. Wow, that is a fun fact. Wow. <laughs> How do you attract these bi guys, Michael? Tell <laughs> I don't know. Tell us I like secret. them half and half. <laughs> is there? A, but is there anything special or unique in that situation or is it just like dating any other guy? Um, 
I would say for the most part, it's definitely just like dating any other guy. I'm going to, I'm thinking negatively about him. So I'm just thinking like, well, he was a douchebag. Right. That's the negative, the negativity. But then he just brings a whole new light to the, to it. So I can't say any type of stigma is around that or any negative things associated with being bisexual. It's literally just like being with any other person. All right. So say you guys are watching a movie together and there's like, you know, some hot actress showing her titties on the screen and Anthony says, like, oh, man, she's really hot. Like, does that threaten you? Do you get, oh, like... Oh, no, we always do this. He'll he'll be the first to say it, too. He goes, wow, she's hot. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the one who's, like, I'll call out a girl, and I'll be like, damn, she's like, she's hot. And he's like, babe, and then he'll smack me, and I'm just like... <laughs> oh, you're the jealous I'm one? I'm like, who's the bi one here? <laughs> That's so funny. I get jealous sometimes. I don't know that I've ever met before you like because you're in on my radio show i don't know if i've ever met in person a bi guy oh yes i have there's a guy in the gayman's course who identifies as bi i just think it's like it's the, the least understood of all the letters in the in the lgbtq spectrum it is it because really people is. don't seem to think that you can have an attraction to both genders and the way what i always say is like just because you happen to end up with a specific gender doesn't mean the intersexual attraction to the other one completely disappears right. if i ended up with a woman for the rest of my life that doesn't mean i didn't like men anymore Right, and 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 you're not you're no more likely to cheat on Michael with a woman just because you're bi. No, like it's, absolutely not. If you're going to cheat, you're going to cheat. If you're not, you're not. That that comes down to right. what kind of person you are, Correct. not what your sexuality is. Right. I want to ask you guys, um, especially Anthony, about Conor McGregor, um, <laughs> UFC fighter. I know UFC is different than than pro wrestling, but he's been in the media a lot uh, because of that match he had with Help uh, Me Out. Floyd Mayweather. Thank you. Where he got <laughs> he got destroyed by Floyd, right? I think it was kind of back. I really didn't watch too much of it. I'm not into really boxing. Clearly, you know more than I do. <laughs> I know nothing. But I do know that Conor McGregor is fucking hot. And I was like, so do you know what he looks yeah. like, Scott? I mean, and like he's wearing these like little tiny shorts and he's got this enormous package and this great body. And I was like, so into him. And then he was on mic backstage at a UFC event with another UFC fighter and he repeatedly referred to someone else as a faggot um, like over and over and over again and um, you know there was deservedly a big uproar about that when you hear that do, do you feel like it sets back uh, LGBT athletes and makes them feel less safe uh, yes and no depends on the person some people have thicker skin than others and unfortunately we're still in a realm where that's locker quote unquote locker room talk is still people use it as an excuse of oh it's okay he doesn't he's not actually homophobic he's just saying it because it's locker room talk everybody says it and I think we have to start moving forward to get to a point where we start eliminating that because for some people that would affect them coming out or feeling comfortable being themselves in a sports locker room right do you feel like I mean has there been any negative you, you, you've said that most most of your fellow wrestlers have been very welcoming and very accepting Correct. of your sexuality has have you gotten any blowback so no, to speak not at all actually <laughs> <laughs> um, the only I mean there's like weird negative comments in YouTube videos but that's people trolling and most of it's religious stuff but as far as like um, you're going to hell yeah, burn in hell I'll see you in hell um, <laughs> wrestling wise no if anything it's made my friendships with everybody there stronger the fans tend to get behind me more so I think it's been a positive positive. and we should say you're not the first LGBT pro wrestler no there's uh, uh, Darren Young came out openly a couple years ago mm -hmm. five years ago there's been Pat Patterson he was in the closet for a while and he uh, came out publicly a couple years ago there's a lot of wrestlers who came out after their careers because it was a completely different time back in the 90s and the obviously and um, they just didn't feel comfortable enough to do it then because what, they probably either would have been blackballed or ridiculed. Chris Canyon. Canyon, yes. Right? He's one of them. Who unfortunately... He passed. Yeah, took his own life. But he was uh, very outspoken, I remember, uh, towards the end at least, about his sexuality. I remember hearing him on the Howard Stern show. Correct. Talking about it. I'm curious uh, whether you guys, both of you, are familiar with Bob and Rod Jackson Paris. Do those names mean anything to you? No. No. <laughs> I had a feeling, because you're young, right? What are you, like 20, 23, 24? 23. 26. 26. You guys are babies. So if someone <laughs> if someone could grab me a little bit of water, I'm about to not be able to speak. <clears throat> Very parched by the masculinity in the studio. So Bob Jackson Paris was the first, uh, he was a bodybuilder, and he was the first male... <laughs> <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> 
Thank you. He was the first male professional athlete in any sport to come out publicly while still an active competitor. And, um, <laughs> wow. I, this has never happened before. <laughs> I literally cannot speak. I've had a terrible cold all week. I apologize. It's okay. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. <laughs> it's lemon. There's lemon in there. Ooh, lemon. Speeds up your metabolism. Exactly. That's all I knew. Uh, okay. Bob and Rod, Rod Jackson Paris were this couple. Rod was Bob's boyfriend. He was a bodybuilder as well, but not a competitive bodybuilder. And they were on the cover of The Advocate. They were on the cover of every LGBT magazine. And for me, this was like 1989. I was a freshman in college when they first emerged. And unfortunately, they didn't last as a couple. They they stayed together for about seven years. They were, you know, gay married before same-sex marriage was legal. Mm-hmm. But um, I know as a young person how incredibly important it was for me to see them. And I'm wondering if you guys understand the impact that you have on gay kids who are just coming up and they see like an attractive, seemingly normal, healthy, you know, masculine gay couple or excuse me, male, male couple um, as role models, does that have you have you taken that into account? Is that one of your goals in all the the social media that you do? Honestly, I didn't even realize that until recently when we started making the YouTube videos and we started seeing all the feedback and we started getting all these messages from all these young kids saying like, "We look up to you. You're such an inspiration." And I'm just like, "We're really just. I don't view myself as anyone special." And then I just saw the impact that we made on all of these people, and it really put things into perspective now. And yeah, the the YouTube videos. I think when I first saw it was when I wrote the the full article. Honestly, um, when they first approached me to do it, I didn't. I just thought I was writing an article for for Outsports.com. And then when I woke up the next day, like my phone was melting because of the response that I got. It was literally from I couldn't believe like messages from people from all over the entire planet of just like thank you like we need this you're an inspiration we, it's legal here we look up to you and all those other things and then once we started doing more stuff together um that started to pile in a lot more so it's kind of surreal because we're just being ourselves and i think that shows the power of being yourself that you could just simply make a youtube video and laugh and smile and that can help somebody in the other side of the country dealing mm-hmm. with whatever um, problem they have. I think it's so important. I mean, when when I was growing up, we just didn't have anyone gay, period. You know, we didn't have Will and Grace. We didn't have openly gay celebrities of any kind, really, except for like Elton John and Billie Jean King. I mean, we had a few, but we certainly never saw gay relationships. And so... Bob and Rod Jackson Paris were huge for me, and I feel like you guys are the Bob and Rod Jackson Paris for the millennial <laughs> age. Um, That's cool. And are really serving like <laughs> yeah. an important function, so I keep I hope you keep doing what you've been doing. We definitely want to. Um, wait, so how old are you? I'm 46. Really? No, you're not. I would love to be both your daddies. Wow. <laughs> well, you look great. I would Thank have never you. guessed. Thank you. Incredible. It's good light. I, I'm, I'm literally dying in front of you. This is my last <laughs> broadcast. Um, it's an honor to be here. <laughs> apparently, I have throat cancer. No, I've, this has never happened on the air. I have no saliva, and my throat's closing down. Okay, and on that note, we're going to play uh, a game that we play with all of our um, guests here on the ass. It's called Ask Me No Questions. <laughs> Ass, A-S-S, me no questions. Michael was very nervous about this show being vulgar. and uh, it, <laughs> He was more nervous than me. And it is vulgar, uh, particularly okay. when Scott is my co-host. But Scott, who literally can't speak because he's so taken with your beauty, he hasn't spoken for the last half hour. <laughs> All right. Here are the topics for Ask Me No Questions. Now, the goal is to just answer off the top of your head first thing that comes to your mind. Um, I would say this is like the McLaughlin group, but neither of you know who that is. Nope. So... <laughs> Number one, around the house, which one of you is the bigger slob? Anthony. Me. Michael. Anthony. You're a big slob. N- not particularly, but he's, he's a lot cleaner than I am. I wouldn't call myself a slob, though. Clothes on the ground. If I'm very tired, they're getting thrown in the air and I'm going right into bed. Bed unmade. Yes. Spaghetti sauce on the toothpaste container. On oh, the that was only once. Relax. I was like, what did you do? <laughs> Vomit in the bathroom? What right. we just ate? While Typical we're on the guy. <laughs> specifically about about being messy i yelled at him the other night because i went into the bathroom to wash my face and it felt you know those um 
when you go to an amusement park and there's like the log fume ride and there's a bridge that goes over the like the like yes. the splash zone yes. where people splash stand. Mountain. It looked like this sink was placed on that bridge and a three boats came by and splashed <laughs> on top of it. I was like, what do you do when you wash your face? Well, that actually dovetails perfectly with the next question. Uh, who takes longer to get ready to go out? Michael. Me. Michael. Anthony? <laughs> I throw on sweatpants and out the door I go. Always sweatpants. Michael, what, what sort of grooming products go into your uh, your going out look? Well, I have hair, for one. Yes. He doesn't. So that's most of it. I'm not bald, everybody. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you rock the crew cut. I wish I could do that. But, uh, so you got what? What do you use? Pomade? You use gel? You use yeah, a- I use. A, I think it's like American Crew, and then I use like a Garnier like surf hair thing. I, mm. I flip back. <laughs> kind of got the surfer look going on. Is there cologne involved? Yeah. What's your cologne? Um, Versace. It is the. I don't know how to say. It. It's like a French word. It's a. Uh, I'm not. Gonna- <laughs> how do you spell it? <laughs> it's like E A U D E F R A I C H E. Eau de fraise. Eau de fraise. That's that <laughs> eau de fraise. Yeah. That sounds very expensive. Anthony, do you use any kind of scent? Um, I think I have Express Cologne, but I only use that once every like three years. Such a guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Name a TV show that one of you loves that the other one hates. Anthony. Well, I, I have to. You go first. I have to think about that. <laughs> Michael. Um, American Horror Story. Which one of you loves it? I mean, I don't hate. I it. love it. We, I just got, started getting him into it, and he's like, I'm not really into this. I'm like, it's not bad, but I can't really, like... Do you like scary stuff? Yes, it depends on how scary it is. If we're talking, like, exorcist-type stuff, I will, won't come in within, like, he's 50 miles of watching it. I don't like American Horror Story, not because it's scary. I just I just have never gotten into it. The beginning or the end? Because I don't like the end. I like the beginning seasons. I heard season two is insane. I never made yeah, it through a scary. whole season. Yes. We should watch season two. Is there a show that Anthony likes that you hate? I can't really think of one off the top. We watch pretty much everything together. There's like this WWE show where they like sit in a car and then they talk. I watch. I basically (laughs) watch wrestling all day. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. He enjoys it for a little bit, but then after like hour six, he's like, get this off. Yeah. (laughs) One food you will never put in your mouth. Anthony. We know it's not vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Might go first. Oh, come on. Um... Beats. You guys eat everything. Really? I do. He doesn't. I'm always trying to get him to try things. He's like, no, no. You don't like beets? I hate beets. Beets are so good for you, too. I know, but they're disgusting. They're delicious. You ever try raw beets? It's like a carrot. You would like it. Absolutely vile. No, when you go to the bathroom, it's going to be red. It does (laughs) give you red pee, which is a little (laughs) scary the first time. Your doodles are going to be red, too. (laughs) Doodles. So, Michael, you eat everything. Yeah. Okay. Astrology, legitimate or total bullshit, Michael? I'm half and half on that. I always, I want to believe it and I'll like make excuses. I'll be like, it's because I'm a Gemini. But then I'm just like, <laughs> no. I think they just make it so generic that it can apply to everybody and then everybody can just pick something from their life. But and, I, oh my God, that's so me. And I think it's total bullshit. You think so? What's you? your sign, Anthony? I'm Sagittarius. Okay. Are those t- compatible signs? I have no idea. They actually no are. Are they? <laughs> well, there you Yay. go. I All right. believe in it. I can't believe you think it's BS. Uh, which of you is more likely to say, not tonight, I have a headache? <laughs> Me. Yeah. Oh. Me, I would say. <laughs> really? Oh, their yeah. first disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> you I always know. say that I complain. Well, I'm like tired 24-7. And you're always achy. I don't know. We both yeah. we have a lot of issues. There's not a lot of sex going on in this <laughs> relationship. We just sleep all What day. I'm gathering. <laughs> do you ever pee sitting down, Anthony? No. <laughs> no. Really? I do. I do. Well, well, I, I, do. Do. I, I did yes. once. I'm I did sorry. Once. I didn't even think about it. Once in your entire life? Well, this is gross. But, I did last I mean, night. I do it. Maybe while doodling, I do. It's the Adam Sank show. Are you talking about while you're like taking a dump or just like? Well, maybe. I'm saying sometimes in the middle of the night, I stumble out of bed. This doesn't happen to you because you're too young. But when you get to be my age, you have to get up to pee several times during the night. And, oh, no, we always do. And it's dark. And I'm like hobbling and I don't want to have to aim. So I just sit no, down me too. And, and I'll use my phone for like a couple seconds. Oh, no, I don't do yeah. that. Michael gets I will, it. I will tell you this. I had a nurse as a roommate and I caught on that he was sitting down to pee. <laughs> and then I read a whole article about why it's better for you to sit down to pee. And I've been doing it. It's What's great. the reason? Why is it better? Uh, it just, I don't know. I forget now. Well, also, <laughs> when, you, when you have a boner, it's impossible to pee standing up because it goes everywhere. Right. You know, it's dangerous. Unless you curve down. Unless you, oh, we just learned a little <laughs> bit about Michael. <laughs> so Michael is the dirty one. Here I thought he was the prude in the relationship. <laughs> All right, last question. Will you ever return to the Adam Sank show? 
Absolutely. This is definitely. Fun. Oh, yay! I, you were very nervous about this. I know. You thought it was sketchy. <laughs> I did not think it was sketchy. I don't know. We, we're still not used to like getting media requests, so the second we get one, we're like, what is this? Is this something like Right. Who wants us to be on their show? Trying to, like, there was a lot of negotiation that went on. I was like tweeting at you. Anthony totally ignored me. Michael like eventually Wait, tweeted back. I tweeted at you so long ago, and I was like, come be on my show, Anthony. And there was like, and I followed you. There was no I follow back. I probably didn't cool. see it because once we did the either an update or once the verified thing came along, I won't see anything that comes my way unless I like vanity search. Oh, oh, that is true. I saw. Like, I won't get any mentions. That unless sucks. I, I search. So are you verified? Yes. But you're not verified yet. No, I'm okay. verified. <gasps> Look at you. We have two verified people in the studio. That is Scott Hernandez's dream <laughs> come true. It is. To be the verified realtor to the stars. <laughs> By the way, if you guys are uh, buying or renting a home, talk to Scott Hernandez. Oh my God. Perfect timing. It's meant he to be. He works for town uh, real real estate. Re- residential. Town residential, which is featured on a Million Dollar Listing. Ooh, that's oh, right. I refer Steve Gold, who's on Million Dollar Listing. Nice. That's right. Ooh. How can people follow you on your various social media, media channels? Just give all of them right now. On, I am Michael Pavano on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. I, I am at Bowens underscore official on Twitter and Instagram, and our YouTube channel is Michael and Anthony. I guess you just type them. There's no like link to that. Yeah, you I can look up Michael Pavano or Anthony Bowens. And, and we'll you guys up. are vlogging this as we speak, right? Oh, yeah. You're going to put oh, this yeah. on your I YouTube was channel. Recording. Yeah. Hey. hey. What's up, Michael and Anthony's fans? I'm 46 <laughs> and single, and I don't usually start choking in the middle of, uh, of the show. Hey. Oh, that's better. There we go. That's my... How you look great. Look? I got to put up the titties. So, Michael, <laughs> you just uh, completed a movie, I believe. I saw on your Instagram there were shots of a movie shoot. Yes, it is. Uh, it's actually a short film. Nothing crazy, not like a feature film, but it's called uh, San Gennaro, where I play a uh, military guy from World War II in the 40s, and I wake up in the San Gennaro Feast in New York, and I'm just like in awe at like what's going on. I'm the only person that's like straight from the 40s in the midst of the crowd, and I'm not going to give the ending away in case you guys want to watch it. But uh, You look very cute in your grunt uniform, I have to thank say. Thank you so much. You like the, the a lot of pictures. You like, I, right, I like Anthony? It. You're going to have him put that on later. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had, had to get it back. Oh, you didn't get to keep it. So you're doing, you're doing the modeling and the acting thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something you've always wanted to do? Well, I was always one to want to like put on a show and act in front of people. Modeling, I mean, I booked a couple things here and there, but I'm actually trying to get signed with his agency soon. I just need to get some headshots taken. Any first. chance that we'll see you in the ring? I don't know. People are saying that. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, up for, I'm, I'm up to try anything. Wow. Got to put on some muscle. I'd first. like to see you guys wrestle each other. That was actually an idea for a future YouTube video that we might want to do. We'll see if, like, put him through a whole day of, like, wrestling training to see if he can handle it. I would love awesome. to watch that. Yeah. I enjoyed very much watching you get your head stuck in the pumpkin. Oh, God. <laughs> Although that, too, seemed like scripted entertainment to me. But uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and your brother, very hot. <laughs> what? Let me just say, he is a sexy man. Anthony, <laughs> uh, my last question for you, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, I know in pro wrestling, a lot of times there are these characters that emerge where you're a hero or you're a villain and you have a whole backstory. Um has that happened for you yet? Do you have a character or are you still working on your character? Uh, I do kind of like, uh, it's not. It's hard on the indies at the moment to have a really, really established character, whereas WWE, you have a TV platform every single week for them to establish what you are. So in the indies, you either have to create that yourself or consistently be working like four or five times a week everywhere to have everybody like get a feel for what you are. So right now I'm just doing like a kind of a Power Rangers type thing where they say the best characters are like a part of your personality turned up or something. Um, well, basically, yeah, that. Um, I'm a big Power Ranger fan, so I w- was trying to find something where I wasn't too generic, so I'm dressing up as, like, the Green Ranger and the White Ranger, and I like that. Fun. I think you should be the bi-Power Ranger who <laughs> unexpectedly makes out with his opponent. <laughs> his opponent least expects it. Uh, Anthony Bowens, Michael Pavano, you guys have been delightful. Please come back anytime. Um, and that is our ass for this week. Scott, you didn't get to talk much today. I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> you'll be with us again next week when my special guest will be one of my favorite comedians in the world, the hilarious Michelle Buteau will be in studio with us. Um, you guys, don't forget to subscribe to Derek and Romaine. Their show is on five days a week and is way more popular than this little dog and pony show. Uh, so go to DerekandRomaine.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. 
can download my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. And Scott, how do they follow you on Twitter and Insta? Uh, on Instagram, I'm Scott X Hernandez. And on Twitter, I am Scott NYNY. And we are not a couple, <laughs> despite the fact that we were matching crayons for Halloween. I brought my hat. You didn't even bring your hat, did you? Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week, bitches. Yeah.